Hello, everybody, and welcome to Not A Real Veteran. Brash, can you hear me? I can hear you. Audio's good. Okay. Thank God. You're going to have to do everything with the show, like put the guest in, ads, all of that stuff, so I can't click anything. Yeah. Cool. Uh, is, there, is everything going to be all right? Seems to. Seems good to me. It seems like my data is better than my Wi-Fi today, guys, so bear with us. But let's roll into some ad reads. Okay, bossy. <laughs> Dude, I'm excited about this guest. I want to I wanna get the show on the road. Okay. I don't really want to make it tough. I just want to tell you that I've had enough. It might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Learn more at itstimealaska.com. Of course, we're talking about Chris uh, Chris Bye. Sorry, I almost said Chris Guy. He is the guy running for Alaska's congressman. And um, that's not kind of cute phrasing. Alaska has one congressman. And it needs to be Chris Bye Because he's the best candidate and he paid us money to say so. And uh, you can decide whether you agree or disagree with me if you go to his website, www.itstimealaska.com. And while you're there, you can also scroll over to tollerforky.com, which is for James Toller. He's running for state house in Kentucky, people over politics. Donate to his campaign, volunteer if you want to see him win. And not a sponsor, but we are, we are. Uh, the Not A Real Ter- Libertarian Podcast. Find us on everything. And we are on everything tonight, which is pretty rad. And um, notarealpodcast.com. What's the deal with the new merch exactly? Because I noticed we have some new merch. Is that just us being uh, kind of plugged into Proud Libertarian? Yes. Yeah, so some of our merch is now on Proud Libertarian. And some of it's still on Not A Real Libertarian. So just take your pick. There's different merch on the other sites because Proud Libertarian is designed by Proud Libertarian for the most part. Um, so you'll probably see more of that come out. And uh, yeah, either way, we appreciate it. All right. That's who keeps the lights on. Um, we have a special guest. Like I said in the description, if you like Will's hair, you like this guy. Hey, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome, What's man. Up? How's it going? Not bad. Sorry that your only introduction is as a barber, but <laughs> it's, it is true. And hey, you man. are freaking good at it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm also not a veteran either. But That's right. Yeah. Well, you're on the right podcast then. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm not a veteran, but I've never flown a helicopter either. But if I seen one in a tree, I, I would know that dude messed up. You know? So. <laughs> that's a awesome. joke I like now my, uh, my brother and my father they're veterans so. oh yeah man well it just shows how important of a guest you are because to, to libertarians and people in this community and in this movement you have some really interesting perspectives we definitely want to talk about um, most I don't think most libertarians honestly know what agorism is what would you think Braxton do you think that 50% of libertarians know that word I doubt 50% do honestly <laughs> same i it took me i was in a libertarian party member you know like like i thought i was for a long time before i read about agorism which was like probably around 2014 or 15 um what yeah, is the difference between agorism and just volunteerism uh agorism is like counter um is my mic all right can you hear me guys all right 
you kind of cut out at the beginning and end, but other than that, it might be that you have it set to only record whenever you're speaking. Okay. Um, yeah, man, algorithm is basically counter-economics. So um, it's the only, like, anarchist philosophy that actually, if you put it into play, it, it works. Um, so basically, like, I grow my own food, well, most of it, my own everything, cannabis, I make my own mead. Um, and you can do this, and you can trade with a... Uh, with other, you know, libertarians or anarchists, uh, basically, you're uh, you got to figure out your utility for the world, and then uh, and that's it. And then you don't have to use their money. You don't have to use anything. You don't have to pay taxes. You don't have to do any of that. So that's 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 how I roll. So, <laughs> man, and I think the way that you said it is awesome because it is kind of about like finding your purpose in life, which is also your you know your utility to other people. And Rand talks about that so much. And so many philosophers talk about that. I think that's one thing like all of leftism and conservatism completely leave out. It's like, what, what, what's my role in this world? And what do I owe to society, you know, as a person? Um, that's dope, man. And you also live it like really, truly, because, you know, you cut my hair. Um, you know, you just, yeah, I think that you really do. You, do you, how much do you mind talking about that? Like how you are an agorist? Oh, yeah, man. Um, I'm completely open with it. Uh, yeah, I only accept cash or cryptocurrency for my business. Um, I don't pay federal income tax, nor do I encourage any other people to do so because your money goes to bomb poor kids. And uh, yeah, man. And basically, and if you're if you're worried about that, you just have to find a way legally how to not pay taxes, uh, which is really simple if you study their their tax laws. And uh, that's why rich people don't pay taxes, man, because they, they don't have to because it's legal, you know. So you just got to figure out a good accountant or you can make under a certain amount every year and then you don't have to file. So um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm completely open with that stuff. Um, I'm not scared about anything, you know, like as far as federal government listening or anything like that. I am who I am. So um, if they have a problem with it, they can come to my doorstep, you know? Yeah, so. Well, and you know, that's a good point. You know, if you're not paying taxes, it's definitely could be correct. You're not like escaping the system. You're using the system. There's plenty of framework for people to not pay taxes. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying for sure. And that is, uh, I don't know if that's an important distinction, I guess. Depends on which side of a jail cell you're on, whether that's an important distinction or not. But, um, man, I sure I didn't know that. If Will told me that's how you ran your business, I didn't remember that. That's really, really, really cool. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, man, that's that's how I roll, like, as far as my business. I've been self-employed my whole entire life. Um, I uh, worked at Walmart for, like, 10 months, I think, for a part-time job in my early 20s. And I was like, yeah, this sucks. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, people that work there, you know, it's they're cool people. But as far as like the corporate structure, and like all that, I was like, nah, man, I, I can't be living this life. <laughs> so I, uh, I went over to Ireland to Dublin and cut hair. So like I said, you can use your trade and your u- utility for the world to go wherever you want. You know, there's no borders. Um, and myself, like I said, if I don't have a passport, I'm going to get there one way or another. Like I got friends all over. So, so awesome. Man. 
Something else I appreciate about you, Tyler, is your your understanding of monetary policy, which really is, you know, a lot of libertarians understand those things and think about it. But you have, have read really deeply into these things, and especially kind of the people behind them. So when did you first uh, start questioning the dollar and kind of getting into um, the mindset that you have now? Well, um, I've always been kind of interested in uh, money in general. Um, cause me, myself, I only use money as a tool to get where I need to go. You know, that's, that's the way I view money, but I was like, well, what, what is it? Like, where, where did it actually come from? You know? And so I started studying that stuff and it, I mean, it goes back all the way to Phoenicia, you know, the Phoenician bankers and all that, but we'll get into that some other time. Um, but as far as like the modern day monetary policy, like the federal reserve system, I started, a, I re read a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, probably like, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe 12, something like that. But anyways, really cool guy, uh, Mr. Griffin. And um, I read it. It's a really kind of a boring book. But if you just like kind of power through it, man, you will, you will see, you will find out the minds of a central banker. And um, yeah, and how the Warburgs set everything up. There's another good book called The Warburgs by Ron Chernow. I encourage everybody to read that book. Um, but yeah, man, that it just kind of got me down to the path of uh, like what, what's happening. Like, how, how is this even possible that our entire world economy is ran on a debt system? You know? <laughs> Seriously, there's absolutely nothing of value behind anything. And we're all just believing a lie. And the point is, you know, that wouldn't be a terrible thing, I guess, if it wasn't for the fact that there's a central, you know, a planners and bankers who are actually benefiting from the rest of our labor and lives. So that's yeah. that's really what makes it, you know, so freaking terrible. Yeah. And according to my research, um, like the interest, basically, like it's a vampiric system. And so the entire world interest, that's the real money. So whenever you go to buy a house or, or to do whatever. You're paying with your labor that they had no part in of you, you know, of making that money. But the interest gets filtered up to about eight, eighty five hundred to ten thousand people. So it's not too crowded at the top. So these central bankers figured this out in 1913 and they set up the uh, the Bank of International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland. The Rockefellers did that in 1930. And that is like the central banks for all the other central banks. And uh, some really, really evil stuff goes down there. And um, like as far as monetary policy. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, if you guys just research that a little more, um, you're, you're just going to be blown away in shock. <laughs> like I said, it's hard, hard to explain, like especially to normies. Um, they're like, oh, man, that just sounds like some sort of conspiracy. But then when you actually read it and study these people, you're like, wow, these are true blue psychopathic maniacs, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and they'll do whatever it takes to keep the pores at the bottom. And like I said, the, the, the very people, the, the highest people at the top, they get all the world's wealth. Man, and I think libertarians are probably your perfect audience for this message because you're right that like when normies listen to it, it really does sound kind of crazy to them. And I'm sure you come off to like average people as, you know, a conspiracy theorist and, and a crazy person. But libertarians are so like ripe for the plucking for you because 
Uh, we've already questioned all of these things and started to really see these systems for what they are plainly. Um, and then you you kind of just understand the dots behind it. Who's who's pulling the strings once we realize that somebody is. Um, so that's really, yeah. I think your message will go really far with, with libertarians. We got to. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I do sound like crazy to, like I said, the normies, uh, cause they, you know, and it's not their fault, man. Mm-hmm. We've been brainwashed our whole entire lives to think that this is normal. This is not normal. This is, yeah. this is a bad, bad system that we have and it's not capitalism. Like I said, th- this is, it's literally like uh, 10,000 people running the whole show. Like that's, that's what's going down. Um, and like I said, you can think that's crazy or hogwash. I'm telling you, I've done my research. Everybody needs to go ahead and investigate this stuff. Um, yeah. But like in 1913, like I said, the Warburg family, um, they met off the coast of Georgia in Jekyll Island with a, with a bunch of other central banking families. Mm-hmm. That's where basically they, uh, 1910 of November. So they, um, they basically, that, that, that was the framework for the Federal Reserve System. And then they signed it into law on December 24th, I believe, when, when nobody was, you know, there, you know. And uh, yeah, and then that exact same year, the Internal Revenue Service was created. Because like I said, um, the Grace Commission report, 1984, if you check that out, 100% of your money, federal income tax, goes just to the only only to the interests of the Federal Reserve Bank. So not one dollar is spent on anything that you guys think it goes to. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> that is freaking wild. But yeah, it makes perfect sense, honestly. And I thought something was interesting about Jekyll Island. Um, you know, the we know who is there now based on the historical context and the research and stuff that's been done. But the bankers who were there hid their identities because they were so ashamed of what they were doing. They even hid their identities from the waiters who were on the trains who took them there. So yeah, uh, completely sick. Like you don't, you don't go to secret meetings when you're doing something good and planning something Mm. good for the world. They were clearly like knew they were conspiring against the public and um, how big of a deal it was for the long term. And sheesh, I bet they didn't even imagine we'd be fooled this long. Yeah. Well, I mean, like there's no shame in their game, man. They, They knew exactly what they were doing. Like I said, they wanted to extract all the wealth of the world. And that's why they started setting up central banks in every country. Uh, The Warburg family, they've been uh, loaning money to governments and kings for about 500 years. Uh, And before then, I mean, uh, like I said, if you if you trace these folks ancestry, these people have been banking for thousands of years, guys. You know, (laughs) so uh, and it's hard to believe but. It's it's what it is, you know. So, but, well, yeah. man. So, how do you uh, kind of define yourself as far as like agorism kind of overlaps a lot of things? So, uh, between being an anarchist, anarcho-capitalist, what do you prefer to call yourself? Uh, I'm just like a I'm a pure anarchist, man. Like I, I'm not left, I'm not right. Um, if it's if it's moral and just, then um, I think people should live that way. Um, don't hurt people, you know, I mean, just basic, you know, basic stuff. Self-defense is fine. Of course. Uh, there's a huge difference between violence and self-defense. Uh, violence is when you initiate it. Uh, self-defense is when you're, you know, pushing away the aggression. So, I mean, it's just basic, uh, you know, basic stuff. Um, now when I was a teenager, I participated in a lot of violence cause I had a rough upbringing. 
Um, but yeah, man, like I said, I've changed my ways. So, um, because when you, when you see this information, you realize like, Hey man, I shouldn't be doing this to people. You know, I mean, like it's a, it's just kind of a swift kick, you know, and, uh, and it rattles your cage. Um, Oh, another great book, uh, the most dangerous superstition by Larkin Rose. If, um, any normies are on the fence about libertarianism or anarchism. Definitely read that book and it'll push you over the edge. Will you put that in the comments, Rex? Yeah, what's the name of that book again? Um, the Most Dangerous Superstition by Larkin Rose. But like yeah, that. man, I would define I would define myself as just, you know, a pure anarchist. Uh, I mean, like I, I do algorithm because it's for me it's the moral right thing to do, you mm-hmm. know. Um, cause I don't want to participate. I don't want to participate in their system. Hmm. Um, think, but that's me you now. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I think you hit the nail on the head though, especially just talking about, you know, knowing that it's the right thing to do and it just being your moral belief. That's something that I feel like is missing from politics altogether. And once you're a libertarian, I mean, or an anarchist, whatever you want to call it, once you make that paradigm shift from thinking about things, uh, from a place of what benefits me and makes my life more comfortable to a place of. Um, what is like purely right and wrong for everybody? There's no going back. I don't think that it's it's possible. So, um, I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, one hundred percent. Will. Yeah, like I said, we just need to keep uh, spreading this message, guys, of freedom and liberty. Uh, I'm, this is awesome what you're doing. Um, I have a I have a little you know little show on uh, Odyssey. I just deleted my YouTube channel because um, I'm not support, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll hang out with you guys and, you know, all that stuff on YouTube, but as far as me producing content anymore, I'm not going to do it for YouTube. So. How do you feel about you... Twitter now? Twitter? Um, yeah, man. Um, you know, I mean, Elon Musk, he's a statist. Uh, you know, he does do good things. I don't agree with everything that this man does, but as far as freedom of speech goes, it seems like he's trying to push Twitter down the right path of that, but we'll, it remains to be seen, you know, like we're going to have to, the proof is in the pudding. And I was actually going to delete my Twitter, but it's been getting pretty fun on there here, here recently. Yeah. I feel like I've just fallen in love with Twitter, but I I just like the structure of it. I think even though it is, um, they were censoring people. I've never been censored on there, but I don't post much. But um, I think that the way that it's structured, how people, you can't really like delete things and like, you know, on Facebook, you can really manipulate it to be your own page. But on Twitter, you really can't extract anything from that conversation except your own piece. Um, so I really appreciate that. That It's a little more pro-free speech, in my opinion, already, because it kind of allows that, it allows everything to be seen. Well, you know, I think, and this might come into play, I don't know if it matters who owns it, because the CEO or the old CEO, Jack Dorsey, has been on uh, Joe Rogan multiple times, and uh, he confronted him about that. And there are algorithms that flag inappropriate speech, and then there are human fact checkers or just human employees, same as the fact checkers, that go in there and physically check that. So if you have someone who is, I mean, just rabidly liberal, even though I'm sure that's not always the case because there are plenty of liberals who get banned, shadow banned, whatever. It just depends on the human who's reviewing that content because at the end of the day, it's still a human uh, clicking a box. Like, is this uh, to agree just to be on Twitter or not? Mm. You'll have to, 
you'll have to have people checking those people to like make sure that there there isn't bias in their you know numbers or and stuff. what but, jack dorsey kind of suggested is making a second twitter where it's just the wild west where there's literally no looking into that that's like, like 8chan 4chan yeah and i mean uh what is the biggest what's the most dangerous thing that can come from complete uh unregulation i mean i think doxing's dangerous harsh language you know you might not want to see it but it's not dangerous what's what's the worst thing that could come from that i mean i don't if you know had like, n- no recourse at all i don't know what the worst thing is but i think there's a lot of things that are like pretty vile that nobody would want to see but hopefully you know as long as you have the ability to hide i don't know I think that to be a $44 billion business, you have to pretty much appease to basically you have to avoid the general public's emotion of disgust. And if they're seeing disgusting things all the time, then they're going to not want to be on that website. And that's kind of why only like, you know, most that's why most normies don't go to 8chan and 4chan and stuff. Um, So I think that's kind of they have to do it to some extent to serve people. But I think as long as it's just like as long as it's not, I don't know. I don't know how the right answer for this. I mean, fair enough. I don't guess anybody does. Yeah. I know how uh, I would kind of do it, but I think that um I think that he'll be more strict than I would be probably. Uh float.app. I'm not sure if you guys know what float is, but um check out float.app. It's a really cool social network. Um, no, no censors, no, no censoring whatsoever. The only thing they do is remove, um, I think that's child, uh, you know, stuff like that. Anything to do hurting children. Um, but yeah, it's like just a bunch of anarchists that are, you know, um, the tech guys in the back and yeah, man, they're, 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 they're the ones that are doing the monitoring. So, you know, you can rest assured they're, they're not going to violate your freedom of speech, <laughs> you know? I mean, but people that hurt kids, uh, that's a non-aggression principle violation. So got to get out of here, you know? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, check out float, float.app. It's pretty neat. Oh yeah. Okay. How many people are on it right now? Do you know? Uh, you know, man, I can't remember, but it's mostly like libertarians and anarchists. Like it's really, really cool. Yeah. My buddy, Patrick Smith, he, he, um, he's at float fest. I think now or it was yesterday it ended maybe i can't remember but yeah it's in texas Uh, there's a pretty big anarchist community down in texas so i've heard about that who's the guy that you uh sent me to from down there that you sent me videos of uh what was that will who's the guy you sent me videos of a guy from texas that you've talked about a lot but i forget his name an anarchist uh it might have been patrick patrick smith oh yeah 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 he's from dallas so Yeah, he's he uh he has Anarchast. Um, That's Anarchast guy, yeah. Yeah, Anarchast, yeah, yeah. He's pretty cool, Patrick. Yeah, I think he's got like he usually has like a like a white you know tips right here, like on his hair. Um, but yeah, man, he's more of a philosopher, you know, person. He's really cool though. And is he behind Float too? Um, yeah, he's like the chief technicians officer. Wow. So yeah, he's he's uh, like I said, man. They're they're making moves. Um, they like I said, it, it's growing and growing uh, every week. So um, like I said, I, I encourage people to get on that because it's uh, it's such a cool platform, a really cool community. So besides that, who would 
do you recommend on YouTube or what kind of thinkers could people uh, research if they want to start getting more into this stuff and kind of learning about anarchy? Oh yeah, man. Um, Larkin Rose, uh, like I said, the most dangerous superstition. He does other things too, but Larkin Rose, he's been in the game for man, 20 years, you know, um, Sal, the agorist, of course, Sally Mayweather. Um, he's really cool. Uh, yeah, man. There, I mean, like those are two good, like starting points. Patrick Smith, of course, he's also, he has a disenthrall. That's his own uh, YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this is really good stuff. Um, like what, how, how, how he discusses everything, um like i said patrick sally agorist he now sally he's like straight up agorist man like he's like he lives that lives it you know like i mean like me you know but he's like completely completely, you know rocket (laughs) he does 3d printers and all kinds of stuff so i know i've talked to that guy before he's he's cool yeah i can't i can't picture him but i remember talking to him yeah, he's a bald white guy. His uh, avatar is like a black dude with an afro. afro. Yes, yeah. I remember. So. I remember when I first heard his voice, I was like, "This is clearly not the dude in the picture." But he, I remember him being really cool, like knowing a lot about guns and stuff. Um, huh, so how do you feel, man, about basically the media's tie-in to all of this and and just the brainwashing and like today, for instance, you know, NPR released an article about the Fed raising their rates and stuff, and uh, it's just kind of infuriating because they were like blaming it on. Um, they were blaming inflation on gas prices. And it's like, what do you mean? That's like uh, blaming a plane crash or I don't know. It's like blaming gravity on a plane crash. You know what I mean? You got the wrong cause and effect here. So uh, yeah. it's it's crazy, man. But how do you feel like the media, play, what role do they play and how do you view the mainstream media now? Yeah, they, um, they play a huge role in a mass psychosis. You know? Um, cause there's only six corporations that own pretty much all the media throughout the world. Um, so that's it. Like six corporations, man. So basically like with the GameStop stock stuff, remember that? Yeah. Basically like this is how these rich bankers do stuff. They'll call up their buddies, the newspaper or whatever. They'll run, run an ad and say, Hey man, I need to manipulate the market tomorrow. So you need to run this stuff on your news station so I can make billions. And then that's what they do. And, um, yeah, that's how they roll, man. And then, see, if you're the one controlling the game, it doesn't matter. Um, like J.P. Morgan Chase, they paid like a billion-dollar fine like, oh, what was it, three years ago? That doesn't matter, like I said, because they're yeah, the ones running to them. But, yeah, man, these same people that are the banksters, uh, they're the same ones running – uh, owning the media, yeah, because most of the media is owned by like at the very top. I mean, like most of the Rockefellers, you know. I mean, uh, not just them, like Vanguard, like all these, all these um, things are owned by the same exact people. Yeah, like I said, it's only about eight, eighty five hundred thousand people, guys. Um, so yeah, I, uh, the media is like I, I don't even watch. I, I, the only news I get is like from my friends. They're like, hey, check this out. I don't even watch it anymore, man, because I am not I just can't participate, you know, <laughs> like because I, I know what it's about. Like, I know that they're manipulating people's emotions um, to get what they want, uh, like right now with what they're doing. Like, um, you know, the Pfizer data dump just right? 
and now uh, everybody's talking about abortion. You know what I mean? So, so they, they play this game, and as long as we're fighting amongst ourselves, they can run off with all the money. Yeah. It's so basically you consider happened. yourself black-pilled or white-pilled, Tyler? As far as, do you, are you optimistic about the future of uh, our country and the world, or, or do you feel like you know, you're going to become more and more of a, an isolated person? Oh, no, no. Um, man, I, uh, no, I always have hope. I always have hope for the future. Um, but at the same time, you have to be prepared. Um, like myself, I'm, uh, I'm going to start a little, um, well, I can't really get into the details right now, but basically a little group of people that are really down for the cause of freedom and liberty. And, uh, I'm going to be doing that here shortly. So that, but that'll be my little group, you know, that I have, but no, man, I'm optimistic. Um, I, uh, I interact with people every day, you know, in my barbershop and most people are very good people, you know, like in their hearts, but they just need to figure it out. You know, they need to figure out, uh, what the system is actually doing to them. And, uh, and then once they do and they realize, oh my gosh, all this is a lie. Uh, this greedy little monster just goes away. You no. Know, so yeah, I definitely am. I'm, I'm more white pilled, but you know, <laughs> it's it right now, man. I mean, the way people get manipulated, it's it, it looks pretty bleak. Um, but hum, humanity as a whole, I think we're gonna do okay, you know, uh, here in the near future because it's only a matter of time before the bell lifts and people realize what's actually happening, you know. Mm. I agree completely. I think that it's, it's the truth is kind of inevitable that it comes to light and is set free. It's kind of like trying to put, you know, a blanket on light. It's like um, they're never going to have enough blanket. You know, there will always be more of it where that comes from. And so I don't think, you know, even if you have Kim Jong-uns and people like that trying to push this narrative on their people in isolation, they'll just never win. Um, there will always be, you know, secret secret societies of people who are spreading the truth. Um, and that's what that's what you do. And that's what we're doing here. So I, I have hope too, man. And I love I love that about you. I feel like to me, the hope somebody has is almost the measure that they really believe in liberty and freedom. It's like if you truly comprehend it, if you truly wrap your mind around it, then there's no way you can picture a world where it doesn't grow and become stronger in people's minds and hearts. And I think um, even though our politics are kind of confused these days, I think even Democrats and Republicans still love liberty, even if they don't understand it like we do. Yeah, they like personal liberty and, you know, because they're the ruling class, so they can pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, now exactly. I'm kind of blackpilled on that, and I love what you guys are doing. Now, myself, I don't participate in the process. All my friends are libertarians or, you know, anarchists. And we have disagreements there, um, but I, I mean, I still, you know, I'm like, yeah, at least they're down for the cause, you know. Um, and that's what really matters. It's like, what's good? What is good in your heart? You know, like, uh, and if it's liberty and freedom, then pursue it no matter what avenue that is. And uh, I always say, if, if it's there, why not? You know, I mean, like, I totally get it. I totally get why, what, what the Libertarian Party's trying to do right now, the Mises Caucus. Like, all you guys, you guys are, like I said, you're down for the cause. Um, but we just, I mean, like there's a lot of libertarians that, you know, they're so, pa uh, I wouldn't call them pacifists, but to even mention like 
open rebellion or anything like that, it makes them nervous. You know, I'm like, well, look, guys, we all need to have philosophical conversations about this. Yeah. Because we're under a state of duress. <laughs> like, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but just like slavery, like the slaves were under a state of duress. They are 100% justified in doing what they did in rebellions against their master because they were under a state of slavery. It's the same thing with us. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and do that, but I'm saying we that should be on the table. We should be talking about this. Yeah, we should be. And actually, I saw a leftist today mention they spelled it out. They spelled the word revolt on Facebook, but they spelled it out in special characters. And this was somebody who's like, you know, one of the most leftist people on my Facebooks, but it's over, of course, Roe versus Wade. Um, but I just couldn't imagine it. But we've been talking about it openly for a while. Hannah Cox, even if you follow her, she's a very mainstream kind of libertarian slash maybe some would call her conservative thinker. But um, she even posted something the other day about like we need to um, overthrow the government. And it's like it is it is becoming a really you know normal conversation now. I don't even think you can get flagged as a terrorist for that because so many people are fucking talking about it. Right. I mean, but it's all in our minds. So the real monster is up here. As soon as we stop recognizing these people as legitimate, it goes away. Seriously, man. That's what we have to tell everybody and explain to everybody. And then then you can put Nancy Pelosi in a work camp. You know, like that's what Agoras would do to work off her, uh, her, you know, theft. (laughs) Seriously, there's a lot of that. But Brad yeah, will probably agree with a lot of the things you do because he doesn't vote either. So he always kind of gives me shit for voting. And he's part of the party, but he doesn't believe in voting. So, yeah. Um, yeah Braxton, what's that about? Explain yourself. Well, I mean, okay, just for an example, um, and this is just an example, but libertarians always say when they're talking to the duopoly that, you know, you're only wasting your vote if you're not voting your conscience. So, um, if, you know, there's, if the candidate for my state, you know, for governor, if I don't agree with their platform, you know, should I still give them my vote so that they have the numbers or should I ride in someone that's definitely, definitely not going to win and not going to get recognized by the news, recognized by anything. And I mean, um, what, what's that thing, Michael? Oh yeah. People who need leaders aren't qualified to choose them. Oh, and I yeah, mean, there's, I mean, I mean, it, which is really terrible. And the solution is that doesn't mean I'm against voting. It's just the people I'm voting for shouldn't get any sort of pow- power at the other end. You can vote for people. Well, and you know, but that's the difference between an elected leader and an uh, assigned leader. You know what I mean? One of them presumably should have a lot more authority than the other one. But, um, you know, just some problems. And half of this, uh, Stephen is... Steven's in the chat and he was saying what I was thinking. I was just kind of waiting for a uh, kind of a uh, nice segue. But the problem I see with anarchy is that people like systems and people put more faith in systems because they say, well, you can't have an anarchist society because it won't be perfect, which is true. But their system is also far from perfect, and it's, you know, built on so much terrible crap. You know what I mean? Um, So, I mean, it's just really frustrating to have those conversations. And I think kind of what the anarchist community needs, I think we need to set up kind of like a, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but we just need a spectrum. We need to have somebody who's kind of like a normie libertarian 
and then you have just like a centrist libertarian, and then you have kind of like the anarchist libertarian, and then you have the anar or the libertarian leaning anarchist, and then you go you go all the way over to true anarchy. But another problem besides people don't want to be led, or no, I'm sorry, people do want to be led, and people do value those systems way too much. Um, the other problem is, you know, along with that, not everybody would function well inside like an anarchist commune. Not everybody. I think it would be better than they think. But there just needs to be a way for everybody to exist kind of in whatever way they want to. And the problem with that is anarchists kind of agree with that. If you want to live in an area with like a county or whatever, where you have elected officials and they tell you, you know, if you have a curfew and they tell you where you get your food from and all this, like you should be allowed to. But those kind of people don't want anarchists to be able to live freely and freely associate and all that stuff. So it's really, 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 really hard. Um, and I don't know what to do about that. Like I said, I think more people are probably anarchists than they realize. Um, people don't know the definition of anarchy. You know what I mean? People think anarchy means chaos, um, which is really weird. Um, but I mean, I can't judge cause I sure did too, but, um, uh, I don't know how, do you get what I'm saying about you need geographic areas where people can subjugate themselves to rules and all, and I mean, not necessarily rules because anarchists believe in rules is the difference between rules and laws. But you see what I'm saying about some people might need some governance and how do we exist with those people? Um, Will, did you, or can yeah. I go ahead? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, man, we can have that now. Like we have HOAs now, like they have certain rules and uh, if you want to live in that you have to abide by those rules. Uh, we have Amish here in Oklahoma. They don't have no central government, and they're doing just fine down there. And um, if you don't want to live in their community anymore, they don't force you to stay. You can leave. Um, as far as, like, communities, uh, agorism, like I said, is a typical – or that that is in action. It works. Like, it's a, you can actually see it happening, and it, it works. There's – there is agorist communities all throughout the United States, you know, three, four, you know, two, three hundred families, man. And they're all living together like in BFE, Texas. And uh, yeah, they're literally just farming, um, trading, trading uh, their skills with each other. Like, OK, I'll paint your house if you do this, you know, or I'll dig this well if you do this or I'll trade you some chickens for a haircut. You know, like, I mean they're down for the cause man because like i said they're and then if they need money they just go into town they'll do basic labor for the town people that do you know do do money um but yeah man we have that now like i said we can hoas um, like let's say the government collapsed tomorrow you know like let's just say everybody in my neighborhood we would go out and say hey the government collapsed we need to figure out something. And then it stops people from being lazy and actually taking care of the problem. Like yeah. the Amish. Like yeah. I said, they don't have no police. Like they, they, they don't have prisons either. Prisons should be abolished. Like I said, uh, if you hurt it, if you hurt somebody, hurt a child, you know, you, you shouldn't be around here anymore. You forfeited your right as a human being. So like I said, we can, we can all agree but what we really need to uh, basically uh, figure out is what is right and what is wrong. And as soon as we figure all that out, as a human, as a human species, we're all going to be fine. We don't need anything. 
But that's that's my take on it, man. Will, what do you think, man? No, I think that hits the nail on the head. And I really liked what you said about the Amish. You know, this I think the cool thing about them is that like you said, they don't force you to stay. And I think that's really what separates government from organization in general. Um, and I think I kind of have like a thought experiment for you guys in a way that I was thinking of. So um, you've got like a, a big neighborhood and they have an HOA. And let's say it's a big, a big giant square. And your house, you buy a house and you agree to that HOA and you sign on. And your house is smack dab in the middle of that square. So you've got HOA houses on all sides of you. You know, you're, you're in the middle of the cookie cutters. So then you decide that you no longer want to participate in the HOA. Do you have a right to leave it? Because to me, consent has to be ongoing to be real consent. It's like, you know, if you're having sex with someone and they say, okay, no, stop. Okay, you have to stop. It doesn't, it's not the five minutes ago consent still applies here. Which is also how I think about being contracted in the military, which is also what I think about contracts in general. Um, so how do you guys feel about that with like an HOA? Um, I think morally, of course, I agree with that, but it's kind of the exact same thing we were just talking about is that would um, take away from the power of contracts. If you can just leave military service, if you can, uh, so whether or not that's moral or not, it doesn't matter. Um, but as far as should you be able to leave your own HOA, See, that's that's part of the problem is a lot of times if you're geographically separated from everything else, that would be very, very, very inconvenient. But morally, should you be allowed to? Then yes, of course. And I mean, um, you know, a libertarian theme and I assume an anarchist theme is that good ideas will win eventually. So it's not so much as uh, where are we going? It's just how we're going to get there. But so I don't have I don't have a great answer to the HOA question. Uh, I'm going to rely on Tyler for that. Um, yeah, man. Like when when you go buy a place somewhere, like here, I don't have an HOA where I where I live, you know. But when you initially go go to that, you know, what HOA community, you know, right up front that oh, this is an HOA community. So when you purchase your house, you are you know, you know, you know, what's up, man. Like, you know, the rules, just like if you moved into, uh, wherever, like if you're in an Amish community, it's the same thing. Like I said, if you, uh, well, I mean, they don't force you to do any of that, you know? Um, and that's, and that's what it comes down to is, uh, we can rely on private contracts, private courts, all that stuff if we wanted to, because if you initially agree to this, you know, then uh, they're they're like, okay, well, you don't have to be in the HOA no more, but you can't live here. You know, it's the same thing with the Amish. They're like, well, you can drink booze all you want, but we're not going to have you here in our community anymore. You know, it's the same. It's the same everywhere. You know, it's hard for me, though, if you owned a house and you wanted to stay in that physical location. But... Oh, I totally get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean, I get it. I feel like if it's over, if it's a, if it's a contract that involves a human being and their time and their labor, um, I feel like they should always be able to opt out of it. I don't think anybody should make a contract with the person and think that they could basically hold them to the extent of it. Of course, if they owe somebody money or something, um, for they've been paid in advance, that's completely different, but, um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to let this one stew for the next week or two and think about this. That is hard to wrap your mind around though. Because, I mean, for a uh, contract to mean anything, you know, there has to be some sort of framework. 
And exactly what that is, I don't know. But if you can get out of a contract anytime or change the parameters anytime, it's just kind of useless. Don't you think, Will? Yeah, I mean, sort of. But I, I think that not all contracts are like that. But yeah, I think that um, basically kind of like in a world of real debt without backing, you'd have to actually trust the person that you were, you know, agree- agreements would have to be based on trust. And not based on, oh, if you break this, government's going to force you to comply or somehow. Um, so I don't know. I'm just not sure that I'm convinced that things like that specifically um, should be enforced and should should necessarily exist. But I'm, I'm not certain on the other side either. I'd like to think about it more and, you know, kind of explore that idea. Yeah, I mean, like, if you like, like, it goes back to anything. Let's say the government didn't exist and you purchased a home. And the rules for purchasing this home, not in force, but it says, look, this is the contract. We have private courts and we have private security to enforce these contracts. You know, yeah. if you want to live here, this is what you have to do. You know, like I said, there's agorist communities in Texas and, you know, they, they live their, you know, their own little lives and, when you go into that community, they're like, hey, man, we're agorist. So basically, you can go to whatever neighborhood suits your needs. Um, as long as it's voluntary, tra- you know, a voluntary transaction, I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, when it becomes involuntary, like I said, that, that's, when I, that's when I have an issue. Um, but yeah, man, that, that's a really good question, Will. I mean, that's, it really is uh, really something to really think about. For future, you know, for future stuff. So yeah. Well, man, uh, we're kind of running out of time. What do you want to plug? You're on uh, Odyssey. Anything else that you want to plug or that you're a part of? Yeah, man. Um, out. Uh, you can find me on Outlaw Barber on Odyssey. You can check that out. Um, I'm on uh, the Real Outlaw Barber Twitter as of now. Um, I think Outlaw Barber on Float Float App. But yeah, so um, you guys can find me there. I think I have like 60-something videos. I have videos over uh, various subjects, central banking families, uh, the occult. Um, I study the occult. Uh, not, And I, I know it's towards the end of the show, but um, occult just means hidden knowledge. It doesn't mean nothing evil or anything like that. It just literally occult means hidden. So I study that stuff um, because it's interesting to me. But anyways, I have lots of those videos, so check them out. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you. All right, bro. Braxton, any last questions? Um, no, man, that's awesome. Like I said, I think um, – I don't know if a lot more people would be anarchists if they better understood it, but they would at least be able to get along with them more. And, um, man, just we'll try to think of something to send people your way and uh, get that train moving because that is awesome. And yeah, just the 40 minutes we had, I learned a whole, whole lot and uh, you know, I'd like more. So uh, we appreciate you being here, Tyler, for sure. Thank you. you, man. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, bro. All right. You have a good night, Tyler. And we'll see you uh, sometime soon. Thank you. Bye. I do need a haircut. it. <laughs> yeah, and what do you think of that? I mean, awesome, dude! Awesome, awesome, awesome! And uh, I, you know, I've lost connection to my normie brain anymore. But he didn't even sound crazy to me. So, uh, because, no, I'm I'm being very serious. It takes a special kind of person to be able to 
talk about that stuff without people wanting to reach for their tinfoil hats. Right. You know what I mean? And I mean, even conspiracy theorists, even if they're right, they're still like, nobody wants to listen to them. They're still Mm -hmm. annoying, even if they're right. So, I mean, that's a problem in and of itself, maybe. But, um, man, that's awesome. Uh, And, yeah, you're, man, I still think you're weird because you've been claiming to be an anarchist for a long time since I've known you in 2013. I am one. Yeah, but you're you're very into voting, right? Yeah, I am very into voting. I'm also into you know running for office if that's your thing. But I still consider myself an anarchist because I think that ideologically that's where I stand and that's what I ultimately think you know world peace would look like and what what I want the world to have and strive for at all times. Um, so that's the, my north star. So that's why I'm an anarchist. And yeah, but uh, I got a role, brother. Uh, everyone follow the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus if you're not right now. Follow Not A Real Libertarian. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Will4OK. Um, Braxton, what's your Twitter? Uh, dude, you I probably just probably just just Braxton Voorhees. Yeah, it probably is. If well, not, just you find DJ day. Aleppo on Twitter <laughs> now going forward. Um, if you find will for ok on Twitter, um, I'm just not even a hop and a skip away from that. So True. All right, guys. Well, thank you for watching we will tomorrow's see tomorrow. not a real libertarian who's the guest i oh tony d'orazio running for lnc chair kind of a big deal so we'll be there all right and then um next week because joe lewis is in the chat asking next week we got you joe if you're still here and we'll uh, send you a reminder hell yeah but thanks everybody shut up and sit down